All right, guys, we ready to do a show? Yeah, let's rock this. Let's go. We can just do baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> go inside. Are you inside yet? I'm inside. All right. I just can't stand still. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Tailgate Kings, guys. It's a beautiful Friday out there. And it's been a long week still, man. It's been a long week. Leading up to today, March Madness officially starts. So hopefully you filled out your brackets. I know Chad has watched a ton of college basketball this season. so You ought to see my bracket. <laughs> it's the first time in ever I don't have one. <laughs> but, man, it's been a week, though. Still, the NFL refuses to let go of the media bit in the mouth. It's got the reins. It's holding on tight. And we kind of started the week with um, – with Drew Brees announcing officially his retirement. And uh, and I think, um, if nothing else, I'm sure we all um, we all have different memories of Drew Brees. I'm sure we can all say something. Um, I think he's probably, uh, you know, one of the uh, one, one of the greats to play the game, one of the greatest ones I ever got to see play live kind of for his entire career. He's the only football player I know out of Purdue. Um, and I knew that before he, uh, before he ever became a Saint. He, he's, I don't think I've ever watched Purdue football but uh, it was like right in that Big Ten time, you know what I'm saying? When uh, when Michigan was good, and when Tennessee was good, and I was watching a lot of college football, and uh, and Drew Brees was uh, was the Purdue quarterback. It's like the only time I thought Purdue was like a perennial power or something, guys. Um, and then you know, look at the Saints. Uh, for those of you, there's a lot of people who said Drew Brees been there 15 years. A lot of a lot of people, 20, even Casey. Casey, do you remember the Saints before? Uh, before Drew Brees? Um, slightly. You know, I, I remember when um, I remember when he made the jump. My dad was is a huge Saints fan, and my grandpa is a huge Saints fan. So um, I grew up around um, Saints fans and, and that culture. And, um, yeah, I, I slightly remember it before Drew. I, I mostly remember, and maybe that's just because my dad loved him as a player, uh, I mostly remember the Saints for Deuce McAllister more so right. than – Right. More so than any of the quarterbacks before, uh, you know, other than Archie. Oh, um, no, there, there, there were no. I mean, like, and, and, and for me, I, I, about the rest of y'all, for me, like, the, the, the one, one of the key plays for the Saints prior to Drew, Drew Brees being there was poor Aaron Brooks, I think, fumbling the ball backwards, like, 40 yards. Yeah, um, I do remember that. Right, right there. It was like, and Jim Haslett was the coach. It was like, and all of a sudden, you know, um, here comes Drew Brees with Sean Payton. Get Reggie Bush and Marcus Holston in the draft, and uh, they, they've kind of never looked back. And it's it's been an era, and I think a lot of Saints fans. Um, and that's not even talking about the, the things that Drew's done in the community. That's just what he's done for the football team. Like up until this point, you know, the Saints were the Aints, you know, paper bags over their heads and whatnot. So um, before Drew got there, they had uh, I think they'd only won one playoff game. They were they were worse than like the Lions. Or the Bengals, you know. I mean, it was just, it was just bad. And and, and now, you know, with Drew, they, they they've got a Super Bowl, you know. And you could argue that, you know, a couple calls or whatever, they should have maybe had two. So um, I don't know what, you know, uh, what what were the rest of y'all's thoughts, Casey? I guess start with you. Like I said, uh, what what are your thoughts on Drew? Look, man, I I like I said, I, I grew up um, around Saints fans. I was a pseudo Saints fan, I, I guess if you want to call it that. Growing up until I uh, formed my own opinion in about 2007 or eight, and decided that I wanted to be a Packers fan. Um, it was somewhere around there, anyways. But um, you know, I grew up cheering on the Saints. 
Um, and I still cheer for the Saints today, as long as they're not, <laughs> you know, actively playing my Packers or uh, what they do directly affects my Packers. Um, I still cheer for them and they're still home for me. And um, I, I've been to two pro games and they were both Saints games, once against the Lions and once against the Steelers. And that game that they played the Steelers, um, Jay, I'm sure you probably watched it. Um, it was in the Dome and it was they still had Antonio Brown at the time, I believe. And it was the most, one of the most, at least, electric and um, just, you know, overwhelmingly awesome feelings that I've ever had as a sports fan. And um, the, the love for Drew Brees there in New Orleans and, uh, and here in the state of Louisiana is just um, massive and unmatched, I think. He, he's going to be missed, man, even if it's not for his, uh, his play, because let's not, let's not forget this past season, he, he, he fell off that cliff. It, it, we could all tell it was time, but um, Drew Brees is the guy that's thrown for multiple, multiple, multiple 5,000 plus yards, uh, you know, seasons. Um, he's, he's broken all the records pretty much. Um, Drew, Drew is one of a kind. Um, one of the, one of the other, one of the shorter quarterbacks too, you know, um, made, made his name as a shorter quarterback that a lot of people thought wouldn't succeed only being six foot. Um, he, he came out and he proved everybody wrong and he, he got the love of the city. And even when he made comments that he was publicly criticized for, um, he even showed, you know, maturity in terms of getting to getting his teammates perspective. And I, and I respect that. And um, I respect his game and, and I respect Drew Brees and I can't wait to hear him in the booth next season. What about you, Chad? What, what, what's your, what, what's your thoughts on, on Drew Brees now that, that it's all over, that, 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 he's, that he's hanging it up and going into the booth of all things. Well, don't you always or haven't you always thought about aspiring to a spot where whatever it is you do competitively, at the end of the day, when you're spoken of, when you're judged, it's about the quality of your character and who you are as a human more than what you did whatever it is, you know, that you were able to reach people and connect on a level that was unique. Most guys can never do that. Most guys will, will never have that opportunity in anything. And Drew did that on a huge level. And that's, I think, what needs to be remembered first about him is all the things he did through many of the things. And I agree with Casey, you know, he did have some missteps. He took some bad photos. He, uh, he said the wrong thing at the wrong time and then apologized for it and had the wherewithal and the, the foresight to understand I have to reconsider my position. And, you know, that's, that's rare. There's not a lot of leaders that do that. They'll just keep blazing the path ahead. Like, no, I'm right. I said what I said, I'm Jerry Jones or whatever. But, you know, he uh, was, was, contrite and honest about his opinion when he said what he said about BLM and uh, stood with his brothers. And he's always going to be remembered for what he did for the city of New Orleans. And that's, that's how you evaluate greatness is not in on the field accomplishments, but like what you, what you did as a man to be a part of the culture of the city that you were asked to, to be a part of when you got a chance to be there because he did save that city. I mean, as a, as a leader, there probably uh, is none greater in the history of new Orleans sports wise than drew icon. Jay, what about you, man? You, you, you and drew kind of arrived about the same time, you know, to Louisiana. Um, so 
you're a Steelers fan, I know, but what, 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 what's your takeaway from Drew Brees' legacy here? There's anything I can say that hasn't already been said. You know, he really transcends the game and has become a symbol of New Orleans as a whole, not just the football team. Whether it's, you know, the very good, his role in helping rebuild and re-energize that city after Katrina to, to the, the bad when, like, you know, people got mad at him for, for saying that people kneeling uh, was disrespectful for the flag. Uh, I think he's shown his leadership uh, uh, through good and bad. And that, that's a rarity. You know, it's rare that people, you know, people can, it's easy to, you know, I always tell people it's easy to, it's easy to get good. It's easy to make a good radio show in a bad situation. You know, I've been in places after mass shootings, after tornadoes, it's, uh, you can send a monkey in there with a microphone and a camera and get a good story. Right. It's, I hate to say that, and it's it's probably sensitive and, and, and Louisiana, but it's, it's easy to be a hero when you're cleaning up uh, after a hurricane. Right. But, but it's hard when you make a misstep like Drew did. And he recovered from it quickly and regained the locker room, something not a lot of people could do. Uh, I think he's just been 100% on the spot all the time. Just that seems to be a great guy. I don't know him personally, but it's hard to think of a player uh, in a city more intrinsically linked than New Orleans and Drew Brees. And so, yeah, I mean, kudos to the guy. It's sad to see him go, but but I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad he's, you know, it's good to end a career with one team. We don't see that enough, you know uh it, it's very rare that we see that anymore so so good for him uh and good for new orleans we got very very lucky to have him represent not just new orleans but the the whole state of louisiana for 15 years it was really a blessing to have that kind of leadership no you're you're right there it it, it was a huge blessing and can i can i just jump in i think it's funny <laughs> I, I i think it's funny jay because you said it you know to have spend his whole career we forget he was born of that Chargers disaster. And if it weren't for an opportunity to get out and change his career in a new city and a city buy into him and have an organization buy into him, you know, he probably doesn't have that second chance. You know, how many of these guys aren't going to get the second chance that Drew Brees gets to the point that we forget that that was even his first chance? With oh, the yeah, I, I guess he did. He Like, he was in there for a cup of coffee. I don't know, like. That, that's yeah, not like thinking right. of Jerome Bettis as a Ram or something. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's that's my point. I mean, I, I think that's so, so poignant and so telling that we don't even consider those guys pre what they did for the city that they helped create and the, the culture of the organization they were part of building. That's, that's incredibly unique. Like you said, that is just so unique. Uh, it, it, Drew's, Drew's, Commitment to his city is the most beautiful part of his legacy, in my opinion. And, and the father he is. He's just a cool father. That's fascinating, too, like, that, that like you know, almost nobody mentioned his Super Bowl victory. <laughs> you know I mean? It's, like, totally secondary to what he did as a man, and that's the highest compliment you can pay anybody. And he's, he's part of my conspiracy theory, you know, the whole, if he had gone to Miami, would Saban have stayed? All right. So oh, Jesus, how many times do I have to hear this? <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, going, going to other NFL news, start with your Packers here, Casey, because Aaron Jones got signed early in the week. And then uh, Lindsley move, moves on, your, uh, your center. So Aaron, Aaron Rodgers going to be pulling out, out from under somebody else. Is that a lot of money to give to a running back, the right amount of money? I mean, did you need to pay Aaron Jones? You got Dylan on the bench there. You've got Williams. Did you – did you need to pay Aaron Jones that kind of cash? Absolutely. Look, Matt, I, I love Aaron Jones. I, I, I told you guys I, I fell in love with him over this past season. 
uh, you know, you know, over the last few years, I've been highly critical of Aaron Jones. And this last season, I fell in love with the guy. Love his game. I uh, love his hard work. He's very agile, very quick, but he can also power through the line when need be. Uh, I, I like his game, and I like how he plays, and, and I like that he complements Aaron Rodgers very well. Um, Aaron Rodgers has forever been looking for a running back um, in, in Green Bay to complement his play style. We thought maybe Eddie Lacy was going to be that guy, but then Eddie Lacy decided to pack on an extra 120 pounds and, and work his way out of the league very quickly. Um, I like Aaron Jones a lot, and he seems to have a good attitude. He seems to um, love playing with Aaron Rodgers. I thought for sure that he was gone, and um, I, I had I was preparing to move on. But I, I like him here, especially what was it, two years that he signed? Um, I, I like him a lot, and I I can't uh, I can't wait to see them next year. And I think that they may be at least in the NFC Championship game next year. Wow. All right. So, Chad, is that it, man? Is, is, is Casey right? Because maybe, maybe he is right. Do you need a running back that, that fits a quarterback and Aaron Jones is, is the fit here, Chad? I mean, or, or did they overpay? Can both things be right? I think they can, and they are in this instance. You know, um, we've devalued the position of running back for so long, and losing the offensive lineman to me is equally as important as – signing Aaron to a, a, a fair deal because that's that's a big deal in in today's game you, you look at the, the the shuffle look at Trent Williams contract look at the money that's being thrown at these guys I think finally we're starting to understand the value of keeping your most important asset upright is in the NFL so losing a guy like Lindsley that's that's a problem for your Packers. You want to admit it or not. I think Aaron Jones is a great signing. But anytime you lose somebody who's that caliber at their position, it's hard to replace it, especially on that offensive line that Aaron, A-Rod, and Aaron, the runner, depend on. They both need that for them to be what they are. So they're going to have to replace some parts on that end. Uh, is Bakhtiari healthy? I don't know. But losing him into the season, you sh I think there were consequences in that. So you're going to have to always rebuild that offensive line, and you're going to always have to have a stockpile of runners in the NFL. It, it, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're trading pieces, but probably a sum-zero gain, maybe a, a loss in terms of losing the offensive lineman in Lindsay, personally, in my opinion. Jay, is, is, is the – Green Bay Packers front office kind of not sure what they're doing here. I mean, you draft a running back, you draft a quarterback, and then you pay a running back, and you may end up paying Rodgers again if he gets you, like, to the Super Bowl or something. I mean, what's, what's the front office here doing? What are they doing? Uh, they're doing what most teams do when you make it to the, uh, the championship game. Uh, and your conference two years in a row, which is you, you spend on everybody, right? right? Like it, 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 the, the balloon eventually will bust, but for now they're, they're spending everything. We've seen the Patriots go through it and they had a year where they couldn't spend anything. Now they're coming out of it and they're spending a fortune, right? We see the Steelers fire sale, getting rid of everybody. They'll have a down year and then next year they'll have 120 million off the cap and buy everything back. That, that day is coming for the Packers. It's just a matter of time. But what they're saying right here with this Aaron Jones contract is it's not coming in 2021, right? We have a shot to get back to the NFC Championship game. We have a shot to get at the Super Bowl. We're going to spend now, and we'll pay for it down the line. They'll probably pay for it the year Aaron Rodgers leaves and the year and Jordan Love's first year is what will happen, right? Uh, this is what's going to happen. 
As for Jones' contract, look, uh, it's only $2 million less than Derrick Henry, but it's the same exact amount of money that Joe Mixon is making, right? So it all depends on how you look at a thing, right? <laughs> but by that wow. standard, yeah. Derrick yeah. Henry is the steal of a deal, and Joe Mixon is way overpaid. <laughs> Aaron Jones can be considered right about on average. All, all players, of course, in the NFL are wildly overpaid. But I think this is fair for what you're getting in this situation. Look, Aaron Jones has carried the ball over 200 times in back-to-back years. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards in back-to-back years. And when you think of the Packers, you don't think of a run-first offense. So when you're carrying 200 times and getting 1,000 yards and you basically get no headlines because it's all Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers farted in the back of a van. Oh, my God, it's on the back of the New York Post, right? <laughs> so like, He's very quietly been solid the last two years. At the same time, I don't think I'd have gone to four. I think I'd be more, more likely to pay this guy $15 million a year than 12 and just make it two or three and ax him after two when he's probably going to get burned out. I don't know many NFL running backs who can hold up to a beating uh, of 200 carries for three, four straight years. I think they'll be paying this guy uh, uh, when he's injured or when he's burnt out and not getting the yards you would expect him to. Preach, brother. That is fire. And I think to that point, how scared are you right now, Matt Dye, with your horse back there, Henry, who carries the ball 692 times a game and has how much shelf life? I ain't scared. Have you seen the video of, of, of Henry training right now? He's on one of those big medicine balls standing on one foot, and he's stiff-arming guys coming at him. So I, I am scared to death of that man. <laughs> My it biggest is absurd fit. that he's making so close to uh, to uh, Aaron Jones right now. Like, whoa. yeah, that's interesting. That's so interesting. And Mixon on the other side, just such solid points. Really good work. All right, so Jay, you're talking about uh, you're talking about the Patriots also on the spending spree. We've noticed this, right? I mean, obviously the Patriots spending a lot of money here. Is 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 this Bill Belichick getting ready to go on a run? Then, I mean, is this? Are we, are we going to believe in Cam? Because really this comes down to Cam, right, Jay? Cause, but he's got him now, the two tight ends set. He's got him, Jonu Smith on one side, Hunter Henry on the other. And Cam used to love the tight end and Greg Olson back in Carolina. So is this, is this you know, like, oh, Tom won a Super Bowl, Belichick's on a tear? Uh, yeah, I mean, last year, Belichick, who I despise, <laughs> by the way, I, I compliment him frequently, even though I dislike him. <laughs> um, he, uh, he was pretty clear about it last year, and people were like, oh, that's an excuse. He was like, look, we paid for these Super Bowls. We paid for Tom. We have dead money left and right. We're just, we just don't have money to pay people this year. And people were like, excuses, excuses. And now he's on a spending spree because now he has money to spend. And people are like, is he desperate? What's going on? It's like, it's just math. He had all this dead money last year. The dead money is gone. Suddenly, he has like $70 million to spend. He loves two tight end sets. When you think of the heyday of the Patriots, you think of Gronkowski and Hernandez, right? Like, so he goes out and he gets two free agent tight ends to do the thing he loves to do. You know who's luckiest? Whatever quarterback they take in the draft. That's the fool who's luckiest in this whole mess. Some kid who's going to step into a well-run, well-oiled machine with two tight ends. You want to be a new quarterback in the NFL? What, what does every new quarterback go to? They're tight end. That's the safety valve. That's what you go to when you don't know what to do. Bill gives you two of those, right? Like <laughs> They're going to draft somebody. And that, that kid is probably going to end up being a great NFL quarterback, regardless of how good he really is. I, I, I think this is a perfect setup. I don't think he's doing anything that should surprise us at all. It makes sense. 
And I'm a big fan of these free agents. I know you can't go out and get a free agent rock star quarterback because they're cost prohibitive. You can't go out and get a, a free agent rock star wide receiver because they're cost prohibitive. But tight ends, linemen, defensive players, yes, get those in the free agent market all day. Because the fact of the matter is you got a 50-50 shot on players in the draft. Guys you know can play in the NFL, you've got an 80%, 90% shot on of them working out when they come to your squad. So filling all those positions all those cheaper positions through free agents while you have tens of millions of dollars to spend just makes sense. And now he'll draft more skill players. I, I think they'll be a threat. Look, they're not going to win this division. The bills are, but I think the Pats will be back in the playoffs. All right. So Jay, real quick, do you think Cam Newton then makes it the whole season or do you think he's just starting and by mid season, we're going to see some rookie in there. I have a funny feeling. We'll see some rookie in there. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't see Cam flourishing and a two tight end set. It's just not his style of play. It doesn't seem like something that's going to – I mean, maybe they ran it in Carolina and I missed it, but it doesn't seem like his style. And also the thing about Cam is you just never know when he's going to injure. I love the way he plays, but, man, he, he, he puts his jaw first. How many times have you seen him get his bell rung jumping headfirst across the goal line? I mean, whether it's by choice or by force, I doubt he's playing past week six. All right. Casey, agree or disagree, man? What do you think about Cam, dude? I, I, I kind of think Cam could make it the whole season with an offseason and some time with this second year with this offense. What do you think is going to happen here? I mean, if we're going based off of recent memory of Cam Newton, we have no reason to believe that he will make it the entire season healthy. I hope he does. Um, I, would, I, I like Cam Newton, and I've never, um, I've never, been, I've never disliked Cam Newton. I, I hope he stays healthy, and I hope we get to see a full season of him. And I would love to see – some flashes of that MVP season that we saw oh so many years ago um, when he brought his team all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I like what the Pats are doing. I like that they're actually spending a lot of money and um, putting some good pieces around, I guess, Cam being the quarterback going forward. I'm assuming that they're, that they are planning on him being the starting quarterback for the entirety of next season, considering they paid him. Um I hope he does. I hope he stays healthy the entire season. I'll say that he starts at least uh, 10 to 12 games. There might be a, a game or two where he sits out here and there, maybe misses two games with a sprained ankle, misses two games with, I don't know, a, a bruised rib or something. Who knows? Um, he does have an injury tendency, but I do agree with Jay. I don't think they win the division. I think it's still for the Bills. I think the Bills are just too good right now. Um, I think if the Dolphins – they were already good, you know, going into uh, or going into the off season this year. Now with the rumors that they may somehow get Deshaun Watson, you have to look at the at the Dolphins being there now as well. I think it's going to be a tough division to win, but I think they win seven, eight, maybe even nine games at the highest. Wow. Okay, so you don't have them as a playoff team necessarily, Chad? Uh, what do you? No, I don't think so. All right, Chad. What do you think, man? Does, does all these moves, do all these moves, Cam Newton's second year in this offense, sort of thing? Does this make the, the, the Patriots a playoff team, or is this still uh, just a eh, – not quite? I think it boils down to how much does Belichick trade on his Putin-Trump-type relationship with the Oilers, the Texans, their willingness to possibly come off to Sean and everything that's happening around that right now just smells weird. And Belichick's always in the middle of things that are smelling weird – He's always got his hands in that. So you, you kind of wonder, like, there's rumors out there. That's one question I have. So are you more interested in Deshaun or are you more interested in Trey Lance? 
and trying to trade up and get him. Those are the two things that I think Belichick is working his way through as he's thinking about how he goes forward because he does have a lot of money and he's made a bunch of great moves. I think all of the things that he's done has helped this team get better, even the receivers. Bourne is a guy who's going to help them. You watch. Uh, Aguilar maybe getting a little longer in the tooth for the position, but still a guy who gets open and catches it. So he, they shored up those needs, all right? So that's, that's, that's all good. But what does he want to do? Because Jay made a great point. I think it boils down to does Belichick want to, to uh, build a guy in Trey Lance behind Cam Newton and think that Cam Newton can really be the guy? Or does he want to bring in a Deshaun Watson with all these other guys that he's put together right now in that defense that's returning, some from COVID absence and recent acquisitions? They're going to be much better defensively, which is his strength. How much better is that team? Can Cam Newton really manage the team? And then you bring in a guy like Trey Lance, who you trade up to get in this situation where you're quarterback heavy in this draft maybe you do that maybe you do that or maybe you you trade on this this opportunity that you've got over here with the Texans because of your relationships and so forth and do you want Deshaun and can you can you see your team winning right now and going and getting him because Cam's really not getting paid that much it's very incentivated contract it's not a whole lot of money up front out of pocket obligated they're gonna they're gonna pay minimal for the position especially so what do you do that's i think where he's standing right now is which way do you go which way do you want to take this so as far as tom brady and and uh what's going on in uh tampa let's not forget oj howard's on that team jay right they don't have two tight ends they have three and they could possibly have three <laughs> with Brait. i mean where's Brait going i mean he's you know you got you got everything loaded and locked for Brady. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think there's, there's like three more years in that tank after watching what he did. And if they can get Fournette back and they've re-signed that defense on the cheap, Jesus, Tampa Bay is crazy good. Can we talk about Nelson Aguilar real fast? How, how, does, this, how does this guy get paid? Somebody tell me, tell me Aguilar was worth it. That's the one that, doesn't, that shocked me, I guess, was how much they're paying Aguilar for, for, for the year. Well, hey, look, what are they paying him? I mean – I think fifteen million or something was it? Wasn't that the number? Am I making that up? Oh, that's heavy. They Am can't I, have gone that heavy. Let, let, let me let me let me double check. That seems definitely heavy. I wouldn't have paid that much. They're, they're, uh, but Bourne is signed to it. My bad. A, my bad. It's it, it's it's a it's it's a two year twenty two million with like a sixteen million signing bonus or something like that. Yeah, it's, total is two years twenty six million. That yeah, still it, seems heavy. It, it, so that's, it, that's heavy for me. For me, he's a two-year, twelve million dollar type. Receiver. I mean, it's really the signing bonus that, that shocked me. I guess it was like you know they're or giving him, it, or is it that that new TV contract that is paying that? I'm bang. sure. I'm sure it's going to have something to do with it. But as we pointed out, you know, this year the uh, the salary cap's going down. So, I'm, but I guess I don't know how signing bonuses work. I'm not an NFL uh, guru on that. All tied, all tied to futures. You know, they signed that contract, and everybody in the NFL looked around <laughs> each other and was like, "Holy shit! Did that just happen?" All right. So speaking of guys on weird contract numbers, the Bears tried to get <laughs> they tried to get Russell Wilson. Apparently, they offered three first round picks, a third rounder, and two starters, and they still couldn't get him off of uh, Seattle. So I'm assuming Russell's not going anywhere this season. That said, they they then said screw it and went with Andy Dalton. So. 
I don't know. Chad, sell, sell me Andy Dalton on the on the Bears as a starter. <laughs> oh, come on, man. You're really asking me to sell yeah, you on the I, Polygon? I'm, I'm getting you to start. I figured I'll let you the start. Chad, version? Chad, you're a salesman, bro. You got come it. Come on, sell yeah. this. <laughs> this is the glorified version of a Polygon. No, sorry, Red Rifle. Look, he's not a bad quarterback, let's be honest. He's made playoffs. He's taken teams that were underachievers to places they shouldn't have been. And look, I don't want to dislike him. I just, there's something about him. I can't believe him. I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't buy it. I'm not, I'm not ready to move on from, I think the jump from, Oh, we're going after Russell Wilson, but we got Andy Dalton. Yeah. I just feel like that's a huge. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, how it's like, been- what? Bears fans must feel great, right? I mean, and 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 the the odds in Vegas actually went up against you after you got your new quarterback. <laughs> you, know, you went from forty to one to fifty to one in a day after signing the most important player. Uh, <laughs> not probably the Bears' uh, finest hour of all, but look, they kept that defense intact, and you want to keep that. They, that's how they win. I, I don't think Andy Dalton can necessarily uh, win you games, but if you take a, a attack of like just staying in the game defensively and then not blowing it, maybe kind of what the Patriots are trying to do with Cam, you know, then you could do worse than Andy Dalton. All right, Jay, man, sell me on Andy Dalton, man, especially because they got rid of Trubisky. It's not like Trubisky's on the bench anymore. It's like, I mean – was Trubisky that bad? We were talking about Drew Brees needed those couple of years to, to suck in San Diego before he was ready to be a saint. You know, maybe we're maybe we're selling on Trubisky too fast. The Bears did go to the playoffs last season. Well, if the Bears are selling too fast, uh, the bigger question is why is Trubisky selling so fast? He very quickly took a job as a backup, which suggests he knows he isn't starter material, yeah, he, right? He, he, well, he, he just didn't want to be in Chicago anymore, too, I think. But you're right. He could have maybe tried to be a starter somewhere. Oh, else. and there's plenty of teams that have no quarterback now who don't know what they have to do. <laughs> yeah, he, he could have been a starter if he wanted to. There's no doubt about it. So the Bears probably got it right in letting Trubisky go. Look, the Bears have a long history of bad quarterback decisions. I, I, Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. Right. Kyle Orton, uh, J, uh, Jay Cutler, uh, uh, Trubisky. Like, they, they really don't have a history – of picking quarterbacks well. That said, I don't think the Bears quarterback situation is done. And don't be surprised if the Seattle Seahawks situation isn't done either. As I noted last week on this show, they cannot move Russ right now. You could offer them a gold Lear jet. They wouldn't take it. It would cost them $39 million against the cap right now. Keeping him on the team is only $32 million against the cap. So they'd actually lose $7 more million by trading him right now. But as of June 1st, when they get to this middle period, where you're allowed to spread a cap hit over two years, you know, trading him would only cost them $20 million against the cap. I guarantee Seattle didn't flat out tell teams that came to them, like, no, we won't deal with you. What they probably said was, we're not sure about this offer, but uh, give us your best one on June 1st, and we'll revisit it then, because we're not moving him before then anyway. So I don't know if the Dalton deal is the final deal. I don't know if he's the guy we'll see starting in Chicago, and I don't know if Russ is the guy we'll see starting in Seattle. I think, though, people are going to be trying to figure this out and make new stories out of, out of it for the next six weeks when nothing can really happen until June 1 anyway. All right, all right. Casey, what do you think, man? Andy Dalton and the Bears. Allen Robinson signs the tag. Do you love this Bears offense, Casey? They're going to be playing your Packers. 
Hey, listen, I got a few things to tackle here. Um, first of all, um, I, I love the signing for the Bears uh, when it comes to Andy Dalton because that means my Packers defense is going to get a lot more interceptions this season. Uh, I also love the fact that Chad mentioned that they kept that defense intact, but they just let go of Kyle Fuller, actually. I'm pretty sure that Kyle Fuller was going to be involved in that trade package that they put together for Russell Wilson. From what I'm understanding, along with the picks, it was going to be Khalil Mack and Kyle Fuller because they wanted to offload both of those guys. And what better way than to get Russell Wilson back in return? So instead of being able to trade him, they released Kyle Fuller. That's a big hit on their defense. They just didn't want to pay him. Um, and, and now, given I don't think his numbers have been as high as they were at his peak, but he's still a, a good player, still going to be a starting cornerback for a team in this league somewhere. Um, hey, he can come play for my Packers. We'll take him. Um, and another thing, you know, Matt, you, you talked about uh, Marcus Mariota in, in our group chat yesterday, and I'm hearing big rumors that Marcus Mariota might go be the backup in Chicago and I'm, I'm looking at it like this. If Andy Dalton's your starter, there's a possibility that Mariota might be your starter by the end of the season. Who knows? Mariota might be a starter in the NFL again by the time the season's over. And you know what? I think the Chicago Bears are going to be a dumpster fire. Allen Robinson hasn't been healthy since he entered the league, I think, since his rookie season. Um, this is great. This is great for the NFC North. This is great for not only the Packers, uh, but the Vikings and the Lions as well. Um, I love this move, and I also want to say that I am still predicting that Russell Wilson is still going to be a Seahawk. I don't think he's leaving, at least not this season. I think he's going to play the 2021 to 2022 season um, in Seattle as a super. Uh, I almost said as a supersonic, as a Seahawk. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, just just to interject uh, real quick, I, I, I have to. Um, I, I think if Mariota goes to Chicago in any way, shape, or form, however they would configure that, get him there. He, he's not necessarily the assumed backup. I think he would compete with Dalton for the starting job. He's oh, and that, Yeah, good. that's what I'm saying, Chad, because right? I, I, I would love that. I would love a, um, an uncertain I, I, quarterback I, stance in Chicago. That's great for me. I, hey, look, man, I think you need at least two at every position anymore, especially uh, even quarterback. You know, I mean, there are very few of these guys who make it through the season unscathed that's why you see Tyrod Taylor getting a new deal. That's why you see all these guys coming in because you got to have more than one guy at each position, Mariota and Dalton. Now you're talking something different, just Dalton by himself. You're not winning anything, but if you can do a, an exchange and, and play Mariota in the right situations. And I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm the guy who wants to have pitchers playing every day in the outfield because they can hit, you know, and having all my pitchers ready to go. It, look, if, if the game plan is that, my, I need two quarterbacks to win. I'm sorry if you think your fragile ego needs to be the number one quarterback. Sorry, Andy. You're going to have to sit down, pellet gun, and Mariota's going to take these series where he gives us an advantage. I think that's how the NFL should be starting to look at things. You know, if, if the Saints had taken that approach at the end of the season and let, let Winston take snaps and throw down the field where they knew they needed to do so and had – kind of bred him for that maybe you would have tipped your hand as far as what you're trying to do for your future and protect your investment but if they would have done that how much better would their team been that team's a better team if you have a dual-headed monsters in that situation same could be said with whatever happens with uh cam in in patriot land and bilicek is one of those guys who will do that kind of thing 
find another guy, find a Trey Lance and put him in there and let him play. Let them both play. You know, I mean, Cam's almost a running back anyway. He's at the end of his career. He's going to sacrifice <laughs> himself to stay in the league. He'll do whatever he wants. I mean, why not line up two quarterbacks? Why not? I think the era is changing. All right. But yeah, you make a good point. And look, the big winner out of this whole deal isn't the, the Seahawks. Uh, so what if Russ stays? They're kind of screwed either way now that he's said his offensive line was crappy. You, <laughs> you know, you're an offensive lineman. You want to block for the guy who's, who's talked shit on you, right? Probably not. The Bears, now they're stuck with the Dalton thing if they can't work something out later. The big winner is the Bills, who get Trubisky, who's happy to be a backup, who, who runs the exact same type of offense as Josh Allen, who's a very dangerous player and likely to get hurt at any moment. I think the Bills having Trubisky is just genius for the Bills and Trubisky. He could very well find himself in a Nick Foles-type situation, leading a team in the playoffs that he didn't start the season with and having a shot at actually winning a Super Bowl. So I think the Bills were the big winner in the Russell Wilson debacle, not the Seahawks and not any of their possible trade partners. Fire take. That's absolutely money because, look, Trubisky is a guy who will come in and be exactly what Josh Allen is. Same kind of athlete. Allen's got a bigger arm and is learning to pass better. But Trubisky, at least in a, a have-to-fill-it-out type scenario for four games, he could do that for you and keep that, that whole team afloat with all of the other – they just signed Emmanuel Sanders. All right. Let's get richer. So moving, moving from one washed-up bangle to another, uh, A.J. Green moves teams to the Cardinals. Am I being too harsh? Is A.J. Green not washed up? And does this mean Larry Fitzgerald, who's a free agent right now, is just going to be like in football limbo? What, what do you think here, Jay? Well, you know, I think people, like, people don't realize how good those Bengals teams were that managed to make it to the playoffs four or five years in a row uh, <laughs> with, with Green and Dalton. I think it's like Dalton, Roethlisberger, and Brady were the only people with like, you know, over 300 touchdowns and over 10,000 yards in the 2010s, right? So, so like, uh, uh, now age might be more of an issue than, than talent there. I like this. And I think the cards actually re-signed Fitzgerald. And I think the idea of having Hopkins, who's probably the best receiver in football right now, and then having two aged vets with sure hands as your number two and three options are pretty darn good. <laughs> and the mentorship section that, that the cards now have, Look, I think J.J. Watts passed his prime, too, but he's still uh, still a top-tier player in his position. And the thing about guys like Green, guys like Fitzgerald, guys like Watt, is those are guys who can still play and can mentor the young guys you're going to have to draft to be successful and stay within the cap constraints. I think the cards are playing this just right. I think they've had a really, really smart, really selective uh, a run at free agents right now, and I think the cards are becoming competitive in what's already the most competitive division in football, arguably. I mean, it's got a, there's just a few divisions that are really competitive, competitive and, and that NFC West is certainly one of them. And, and I could see the cards making a run at it in a division that's really hard to make a run. And I think Green and Watt were great pickups. Right now I have the cards winning free agency. What do you think, Casey? Is, is, is A.J. Green worth it if you end up not re-signing Larry Fitzgerald? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, look – we have we don't even know if Larry Fitzgerald is retiring yet or not. Um, they're they're talking about the the Cardinals organization and Cliff Kingsbury are talking about the fact that there's no rush on um, Larry Fitzgerald to retire. Not on if he's going to re-sign with the team, on if he's going to retire from football or not. The guy's been in the league for 16 seasons. Um, 
I think A.J. Green is a really good pickup for them, especially if he's going to be your second or third option. A lot less pressure on him to be guarded by the top cornerbacks. And if A.J. Green is staying healthy, that's let's face it, that's been his biggest thing, right, is, is his injury history. When A.J. Green is healthy, he's a top five receiver in the league sometimes. The fact that he hasn't been healthy is what's been holding him back. If he's not being guarded by the top receivers, doesn't have to play as hard as he is whenever he's being guarded or by the top corners, sorry. And if he doesn't have to be guarded by those guys, he may be able to stay healthier longer. He might be a thousand yard receiver as the second or third option with DeAndre Hopkins also being a thousand yard receiver, obviously going to be a thousand yard receiver for D hop. So I think this is a really good pickup for the Cardinals. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? You wash your hands of him and you really didn't pay him too much money. And I agree with Jay on the JJ Watt thing too. I do think he's past his prime. Um, I do think that the injury histories and the multiple surgeries have taken their toll on his career, but at what you got him for, considering that he's a multiple-time defensive player of the year and multiple-time sack leader in the NFL, I mean, these two guys are guys that you just couldn't afford to pass up on for the money that you paid them. And, again, I agree with Jay. I, I think as of right now, the Cardinals are winning free agency, and they might even make a push for that division. And They, they might win next year's free agency, too, when while the Steelers will have right now about $120 million to spend – They'll also have to sign T.J. Watt. So I thought that the Watt brothers all might end up in Pittsburgh this year. Could be them all ending up in Arizona next year. <laughs> Chad, what do you think, man? you agree with Jay and Casey that, uh, that right now Arizona is winning free agency? You're muted. Sorry. Um, look, Christian Kirk's the second receiver in that organization. And uh, there's no chance that Fitzgerald will go play somewhere else. He'll either retire or come back for another season. And if that puts him at the fourth receiver in your arsenal and he's got a diminished role, that team, yeah, come on. That's, that's, that's good. That's four, that's four really, really solid guys. And to, to uh, Casey's point, I mean, it's about health with AJ. If AJ can stay healthy and on the field, he's going to produce aside from Hopkins and Kirk with uh, Murray as uh, the catalyst and them improving everywhere else during this off season. Uh, yeah. Arizona's a problem right now. Arizona's an issue. Uh, the Rams got better by getting rid of golf and getting Stafford. I think Stafford's better than golf. And now the 49ers is forcing their hand to try and, figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. The NFC West is, is white hot. I mean, you know, the, the Seahawks, what do they do? You know, so there's that, that those are good teams. This is, these are, this is going to be a very fun division to watch and a very hard division to come out of worried about my Niners, honestly, because of all these moves and especially what the Cardinals have done. Yeah, absolutely winning off season. Yeah. Your, uh, your Niners are kind of, uh, sitting there looking for a quarterback still. Ah! All right. Hey, hey Matt. Hey, I will not I... be mocked. <laughs> do, do you mind if I ask Jay a question? Because I just got some, not necessarily breaking news, but some big news for his Steelers. I do. Um, yeah. Adam Schefter, according to Adam Schefter about five minutes ago, um, the Steelers have granted permission for your starting cornerback, uh, Steven Nelson, to seek a trade. Um, he's only 28, and he's been ranked as one of the top corners in the league recently. So, Jay, what does that mean for your Steelers? 
Not much, <laughs> Honest, honestly. I think it's going to be a rough year for the Steelers, and I think what's coming into focus here um, is what our GM and ownership realized is that there's just no way with this Ben Cap hit and what's going to be the last year he officially plays to manage everything. So we have to let go of people. We're, we brought back B.J. Finney, who spent the year, my God, in Seattle and didn't even get a snap. He's going to end up being the center this year for the Steelers probably. Just kidding, he knows Ben. It's going to be a tough year. The Steelers will still vie for the playoffs. They'll be one of those 9-7, and 10-6 and six teams that can sneak in. But the fact of the matter is we're just we're cap-strung right now. But then next year, everything opens up, and right now we're on pace to be $120 million under the cap. I don't even know how that's possible, <laughs> right? It makes no sense. So, yeah, I think what you see the Steelers doing, I won't say uh, – I won't say rebuilding here because I think it'll be very quick, but more of a reset where they are getting rid of any and everything. They're interested in getting in cheap players. They'll probably do a lot of moving and shaking in the draft. This will be Ben's last year. It'll be Ben's show. He can run it however he wants, and they'll try to set up a team so that the following year uh, it'll be just add water. Whoever the quarterback happens to be will have a good crew around him. It's, it's a bit like what we see the Patriots doing this year. I think the Steelers are going to be the big spenders next offseason. So I'm not surprised. I think they're just unloading, unloading, unloading right now because it's what you have to do with, with the salary cap and the way football works and these outlandish contracts. Every once in a while, you're going to have years where you just have to let people go, whether you like it or not. I mean, you never want to let a Bud Dupree go. He's great. And I'm happy for Matt's Titans that they were able to acquire him. But you just you can't afford everybody. There comes a point where you just can't afford everybody. And that's where they're at. Yeah, I, I think they would trade almost anybody. Jay, do you, do you think they told Big Ben this before before they uh, signed him? Do you think or do you think Ben Ben knew this going into this season that uh that they're gonna be dismantling the team around him? Well, they probably told him. Yeah, they, they like look. I think they wound up in a situation where like they're like, if you want to come back, you can. But here's the deal. Here's what's gonna happen. Like we'll release you if you want. We'll let you retire, whatever. But this is what's going to happen. There's, there's nothing that we can do about it. It's football. That's the way it goes, right? Like the, the bill comes due at some point, And this was, this was inevitably going to happen. You know, you just have to hope that, that the Steelers can do what they've done repeatedly, which is get amazing linebackers and amazing wide receivers in the draft. And then maybe score a quarterback too. I mean, unfortunately the Davis Mills kid yesterday had such a good pro day that he'll now probably He's probably jumped from fifth round or fourth round to like second round now out of nowhere. Don't be surprised if somebody <laughs> reaches him and takes him at the end of the first, which is outrageous. But he's a guy that I'm sure the Steelers and Pats were targeting before that pro day yesterday and may still be targeting, but likely some team will pay too much for him now. Okay, tacking on. Jay, question. Don't you feel like, honestly, this sets up perfectly for Ben in his swan song? I think like this is a, the – the opportunity, it, it actually could all work out as, as a goodbye. Not probably as nearly as well as Elway's situation, but I think this is kind of, if, I, I think you're right. I think Ben did get approached and told the truth and here's what we're going to do and here's how it's going to be. And somehow I think he's like, yeah, I see this. I can see this. And, and I think he can figure out a way. And, and, and to your point, you know, you got to let some people go. Bill Walsh is, famous saying was you always let them go a year too early than a year too late you know that's that's kind of the business that you're in you know and and you got to let go of some guys so I think Ben is in a weirdly I think the Steelers I think your Steelers are going to be weirdly good next year well he's he's definitely putting his money where his mouth is you know that 
that I forget if it was five or seven million dollars, but that hit he took. That isn't deferred money. It's an actual physical hit. He basically paid five million dollars to kind of run the team this year to a certain extent. I mean, like the GM and ownership, they have to run the players, you know, but but he kind of bought his way back in. He was like, I don't care what I make. You can defray the costs. I'll even take a salary hit. I, I just want one final shot at it. And they're like, well, this is what we got to do. We don't have any cap space. And he's like, I don't care. I'll, I'll give you cap space. I'll free up five million bucks for you. So, I mean, good for him. Ballsy move. I, I like, I don't see it, you know, being trying to, it's my squad. So it's hard to look at it objectively, but trying to look at it objectively. I see them right now as a 10 and six, 11 and five team. that could squeak into the playoffs. And we'll just have to see how they do in the draft. I mean, it's going to have to be, it's going to be ha- have to be an electric draft to work out. Um, and maybe some last minute free agency signings, maybe some trades, little things like that. But I, I wouldn't put it past this team. I, I've seen them do it before. I, I don't think it's really, they probably sold it to Big Ben like, hey, Big Ben, you're Davy Crockett. This is going to be like the Alamo. And Ben's only seen the movie with John Wayne and doesn't know the real history. And uh, and I gotta and I gotta rephrase the question. So I guess here's my question, Jay. Don't you kind of like that? I mean, don't you feel like Ben kind of wants that and needs that? And and this whole thing could. I, I feel like there's something in it that there could be magic in it. I don't know why. It just feels like you know. Uh, as much as I, you know how where I stand on Ben. I feel like I want the guy who wants to come back and take less and then wants to just be a part of the team for one more time, especially with all this talent around him, who you guys resigned. You're going to, you got to get another receiver and a running back that makes sense, but you're going to have a chance to be in every game with that defense. So I kind of don't, do you not kind of like the guy who wants to come back and is at the end of his career? I mean, aren't you kind of, doesn't this make your heart a little warm for Ben? And <laughs> well, I can't believe it, it's an admirable uh, you know? move. It really is. And you can see what he's thinking. You know, the first full season he played, he won a Super Bowl on a Jerome Bettis coming back and Jerome saying, hey, I can't do it all on my own. It's my last year. We better win a Super Bowl now. It's now or never for me. And it wasn't even Bettis that really like had the most electric plays that season. It was a rookie kid named Willie Parker who, who like won a Super Bowl and was an electric running back for like two years and was out of the league like, shortly thereafter right so you never know in these situations and if anybody has had that experience watching you know and, and I think within the organization there was knowledge that if they got Bettis that Super Bowl that Cower wouldn't be long after that too that he, he would stay out his contract but no more than that so, so I think Ben has seen this done he's thinking he can repeat it it's a different league now I, I don't know if he can do that but it is an admirable decision to take less money and to come back and try it what do you have to lose nothing and you know, if you're looking at it from Ben's perspective, you know, people who aren't actually playing the game, right? People who aren't on the field playing the game are always really quick to talk shit on people who are actually playing it, right? But for any NFL team to start the season 11 and 0 is pretty impressive. So he has no reason to think he can't do it if he can stay healthy, right? If he can get a bye week early as opposed to late in the season. There's no reason he doesn't believe he can't go all the way. He wouldn't come back if he didn't think that. Most players wouldn't, right? I'm sure there's a few that would who only care about padding stats or bank accounts but I don't think it's not about the money with him he didn't give up five million dollars or seven million dollars whatever it was because he didn't think he could make a playoff run so well I objectively think the AFC is a little bit too tough for the Steelers to probably make it through I, I think he's doing an admirable thing and a thing that I'd like to think I or or anybody uh would want to do in the same situation 
I just yeah, see Blaze right. of Glory, man. This is Blaze of Glory. This is going out with gunshots hitting you in the chest and everywhere. And it's just like, oh, oh, why'd you do it, man? Why'd you do well, it? Worst case scenario, he looks like Drew Brees going out, right? I thought that's what he looked like last. I thought that's what he looked like last year. I thought he looked like Breeze last year. That's what I'm saying. I thought he already did that. Uh. All right. So speaking of quarterbacks, um, Tyron Taylor gets signed in Houston because he might be the starter. Um, I don't know who wants to take that first, Jay. <laughs> oh man, I gotta say, you know the the whole Watson thing yesterday like upset me, and I'm rarely upset. <laughs> But I was, I was driving around listening to sports radio. I had, a, I had to go to a dentist and get a tooth filled. And I had to drop my bike off to get it fixed. This is Sean Watson's sexual assault accusation thing. Have you fired up? These radio morons, these like sports people, unbelievable with this like, I've never heard a wor- bad word about Deshaun Watson. And why is it civil, not criminal? And, and, and isn't the timing odd? And oh, well, these are massage therapists. What type of massage did they think he was after? It's the, the complete type of like people come forth, right? Like, like making accusations of being assaulted. And instead of like being treated with any level of respect, they're imo- uh, immediately to- drugged through the mud, <laughs> right? Just totally insane. And I'm listening to these national sports reporters and thinking, wow, you fools are the problem. You're the reason that more people don't come forward when, when they've been assaulted. And it makes me wonder how these people treat their, their mothers or their daughters or their nieces or their aunts or, or their sons or, or, or husbands or whatnot when they're assaulted. I, w- I wonder how they act when people in their family or their friends say that they've been assaulted. It just makes me curious. I find those people to be part of the problem. So that thing just like made me really grossed out yesterday. I wanna be clear here. I'm not saying that Watson did anything wrong. I don't know. But to go after his accusers, just immediately out the gate with the same shit we heard with Bill Cosby, right? 30 years, I never heard a bad word about Bill Cosby, right? 15 years, never heard a bad word about Harvey Weinstein, right? Same nonsense we hear all the time, right? Why is the timing now? Well, if you've ever been involved in a civil case, it's really easy to file a civil case against somebody who lives in the same town as you. But if they move 2,000 miles away, it's really hard to file a civil case against them, right? Like there is very much logic to everything that's going on. Not saying who's right, not saying who's wrong. I'm just saying, if we want to like be respectful and expect people to come forward when they're assaulted, we have to treat them with some sort of dignity. And that doesn't mean we're saying that somebody's necessarily wrong because they've been accused, but you don't throw people under the bus because what it trains other people is don't ever come forward because if you're a victim, we'll victimize you again the minute you say something. That's fucked up. That's just a fact of the matter. How to get that off my chest. Uh, oh, <laughs> for the football end of it, uh, Damn, Jay, uh, keep kicking it, bro. Yeah, it's for the football end of it. It makes even less sense, these, like, conspiracy theories, right? Because, like, why would you taint a guy you're trying to trade with this Tyrod Taylor deal, right? And Tyrod Taylor's incentive is to be the starter. Taylor didn't come to be a backup, right? He gets $6 million if he's a backup. But if he starts X amount of games, he can earn up to, like, $12.5 right? So his contract, he came expecting a shot at being the starter. I don't know what they told him, whether they told him we're definitely get rid of Watson or we'll give you a shot in camp, see if you can outplay him, see what you can do. I don't know what they said, but Taylor signed this deal expecting to get some starting time. It feels like Houston is going to try to unload Watson at some point. They're just trying to get money off of him. And this might just, del- this mess may delay that deal. And really the only bad thing for the Texans is that Dallas already signed Dak because man, a player accused of multiple sexual assaults, that's right up Jerry Jones alley. All right, so anybody else want to touch this? Because, uh, like I said, I'm taking the Houston PD stance of uh, no comment. So, Chad? Man, 
He be spitting. Damn. Go ahead, Jay. I, I look. He's he's on the money across the board here. You know, there's there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of variables to this. I asked the only this question, and anybody answer me, because I agree across the board with everything that I just heard. So, my only question is, I don't choose to let my mind be too conspiratorial, but I do get there from time to time, and we talked about this a little bit on the the text thread. You know. The, the, the ties from New Orleans to Houston and subterfuge to create an end result, I'm having a hard time not connecting those pieces with Belichick involved. That's, that's a, I'm struggling to not allow my brain to make that conspiracy leap, but it's there. And is this crapola, a smoke screen? Because that's exactly what I told you guys the other day. This sounds like a way to get him out. Because, look, do I diminish anybody's claim? No. Do I question things when the timing is weird enough for it to not, like, all make sense? Uh, you know, there's the, it, my conspiratorial brain takes over, and I wonder... Do we see Deshaun Watson as a patriot, or is that just the craziest thing you've ever heard? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, and I don't. I have no clue where he ends up. It feels like Houston, though, with this Tyrod Taylor deal, definitely wants to get rid of him. And it feels like you know Houston as an organization can't be pleased about these allegations, um, which you know will be played out in court because it's, it just makes it more of a struggle to get rid of him. While the cases are civil, not criminal, and that's common in situations like this. It still makes it hard, especially when the NFL this morning just announced they'd be investigating it. So it, it's, it's a tough one. It makes it tougher to move him. It makes the amount of return you get for the trade less. It's just, it's a bad deal for Houston. So I, I you know, I don't know. It, it seems like a, a bad, a bad situation for Houston all around here. And, and while whether or not I, you know, I don't know who did what or what, right. <laughs> but Houston is in a bad, I know Houston made its bed in a lot of ways, but wow, that organization just, nothing ever goes right. It's, it's crazy how that place fell apart from a team that made the playoffs a couple years in a row, not, not long ago, four or five years ago, they were in the playoffs back-to-back -back times. I know they got that booted in the first round, but, but they looked like they really had a lot of promise. And this is just an unbelievable falling apart, uh, letting go of D-Hop, Watson wanting out, letting, letting go of J.J. Watt. They're just an utter tire fire. It's horrifying. And all the crap that comes with it on the side, you know, that that gets seeped out after these guys get traded or released or cut ties. And it's not like a happy divorce where you walk down the road and you can see that person wave across the street and be like, hey, I don't hate you anymore. These are like, screw you. You fucked me over. This is a whole other, like, thanks a lot. I'm out the door. And that's weird. That's a weird thing. So, you know, that adds only more fuel to the fire of what I'm saying about all of these things that could potentially be allegations when you have an organization which seems to be so totally inept and running themselves into the ground and doing everything wrong against their best interests. Is it not impossible that they would do some other bullshit that might make them look stupider even? I don't know. I just don't count that out.
if I had to, if I had to guess on what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, I know you said you talked about the uh, Tarod by the name. By the way, his name is Tarod Taylor. That's what he said. His mom named him, and that's what he wants people to call him, Tarod Taylor. I got you, Tarod. Shout out. Come stop by on the show. Um, with him being signed, I mean, look, it it seems as though it's an insurance policy. Maybe for if I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going anywhere. If I have to be honest, uh, I think Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are staying in place at least until the end of this season. Um, but I think this is an insurance policy just in case he decides to sit. If you have to look at all the backups that are available, except for maybe Mitchell Trubisky, uh, you know, what other quarterback would you sign to be, you know, to plug in as a just in case? Um, Terod Taylor is a guy that has proven that he can be plugged in and win games. Um, he, he's probably not your starter. You know, he's not a guy that you can maybe commit your entire franchise to, but if you need to plug him in for a few games in a season, he can win you some games. Um, in regards to the Deshaun Watson sexual allegations, look, um, I think Jay is right when it comes to these um, sports radio analysts uh, coming out with these takes. Um I, I'm a firm believer in um, that. I, I kind of agree with you, Matt. I think you're innocent until proven guilty. Now, with that being said, I don't think that should diminish anything that these that these people are coming forward with for these allegations. We've seen it before. People have been accused of things since the dawn of time. And if, if, if he did commit these, you know, what he's being accused of, then absolutely he should be punished for it. But if he didn't, then it will eventually come to light that he did not, uh, that he did not commit these acts. And if he didn't, he, he should have nothing to worry about. Will it, will it ruin his name? I don't think so. I think it's going to be tough for these next few months going through these allegations. If he did not do it, um, if he did do it, yes, he should be punished. Absolutely. Um, I think that both sides should be heard equally. I think that both sides should be treated equally. And um, I think that you need to treat this as just any sort of case that you would treat if, if someone off the street was accused of, you know, sexually assaulting multiple women or multiple men, even, um, I, I think that if this is true, he should be punished. If it's not true, then um, I'm a firm believer that that people who falsely accuse other people of things so egregious should also be punished. Um, I'm hoping that it's not true and that we don't have to view him in that light and that it will all work out for him. Um, but I do think Terod Taylor is a solid guy to be there just in case any of this happens. I don't think it's necessarily like, um, oh, the timing, oh, the timing, oh, the timing, or we've never heard anything bad about him. Well, you never hear anything bad about anybody until you do. So, again, I hope he didn't do anything that he's being accused of. I hope he didn't commit any of these acts. Um, and if he did, I hope that he gets served up to the, you know, to the fullest extent. And I hope that these women um, get are able to rest comfortably knowing that um, he was punished if he did these things. But I think Terod Taylor is a solid backup. And um, I hope, I, I, I hope he gets some play time this season. All right. Boom, so uh, speaking of problems in Houston, the Rockets are on an 18 game losing streak guys. They're on their way to uh, trying to set the NBA record. Chad, are the Rockets going to do it? Are they going to get to 21 straight losses? Are they going to, are they that bad? Who else are they going to trade? I mean, they can't trade anybody else. So, I mean, P.J. Tucker's gone. What, what's next? I don't know. The, the Rockets are in a free fall, and, you know, there's some points in your, your lineage, your legacy, how you do things, and I'm not saying that 
the Rockets in its current form have been a legacy, but, you know, over the course of history, they've, they've at least been contributive. Akeem and those teams were champions. Uh, Rudy T's a legend. So, you know, it's hard to watch it as a Rocket fan, as a, as a guy that loved them. It's hard to watch, but, you know, I, I don't even know that it's the wrong thing right now. You know, you just almost at some point uh, – look, I'd like to see them be so stupid that they took Andrew Wiggins for Oladipo and we could wiggle out. And then Oladipo's a free agent at the end of the season. We're off the, the payroll with Wiggins and then Ubre's a free agent at the end of the season. We get Clay back. You know, I, I, I like some of that. You know, you, you still have a little money to play with right now to go find the right guy to bring in at the right time, maybe a little bit under salary uh, on a short, uh, on a longer contract, you know, on a, on a rookie contract. Maybe you can find, I don't know who that guy is, but I'd like to see the Warriors go in a different direction and just, you know, um, Part with Wiggins, Casey, 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 uh, Casey, Casey. Did you see that? So yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, don't jab with me, dude. Was, 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 that the, yeah. was that the fastest segue in history? I mean, I swore, uh, I, I swore, I asked about the Rockets and their losing streak, and somehow we're talking about the Warriors. Chad, Chad and next a, season, next season, even not even this season, but we get all together. Maybe Chad next season. Took a three-second airplane trip. He took a three-second flight. From, wow. from Houston to Oakland. It was that quick. Why wouldn't oh, I? Wow. Why wouldn't I? The, the Rockets are not My boy teleported. Oh my They're not gosh. interesting. They're not interesting to talk about. They're, they suck. They're a tire fire. Everybody knows it. But my Warriors are interesting. And what they do and how they do it is way more interesting. Look, uh. walls hurt. They've, they've cut all and cut all ties with any talent that they have. So why wouldn't you make the move and and get rid of Oladipo and just consider it a total rebuild? That's where I started, jackasses. I just said you gotta you gotta start this whole thing with the rebuild. Uh, Casey, Casey, when oh, the, when the Rockets boy. the Rockets were eleven and ten at one point this season, now they're yeah. eleven and twenty eight. They were over five hundred. Now yeah. they're way under. Are they going to get to twenty one straight losses and set the NBA record? Uh, no, yes. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Christian Wood coming is coming out? back. Christian Wood is coming back, and I think he's going to play well enough to at least net them. Um, I, I guess I would have to look at their schedule for the next few games to see exactly who they're playing, but I think he would play well enough in order to help them. All right, let's, uh, let, let, let's take a look at this Rocket schedule for the next couple games. Here. Do you let's have see. it pulled up already? Let's see. Let's see. They got the Pistons next. They could can, they can definitely beat the oh, Pistons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I beating mean, the Pistons. I mean, oh, so, so it could end. It could end. It's, it's, it's ending. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're beating the Pistons. The Pistons are one of the worst teams in the league, and who, who do the Pistons have? I mean, they got, they got the Pistons tonight. Then they got OKC, and then they have Toronto. They're not beating Toronto. What, 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 I mean, what, you what, say what, that, but Toronto and Pascal Siakam missed some time. Toronto was not playing well before Pascal had his little resurgence. So, I mean, all three of those games are winnable for the Rockets, especially with Victor Oladipo playing, Christian Wood coming back, Kevin Porter Jr. is playing much, much, much better above his potential. I think the Ro- – I'm not saying the Rockets are a good team. I think they've got a long ways to go. Um, but in terms of these next three games, in terms of ending the losing streak, yeah, I think they definitely could. I think they will. All right, let's let's get on real teams then, because Chad pointed okay. out the Rockets aren't worth talking about. So, <laughs> Joel Embiid's out. 
for at least what two plus weeks or so so how yeah well and if that's joel it's going to turn into four that's what i'm saying how, how big is this because we've seen joel have this huge season so far an mvp caliber season but now he's hurt again so what does this do to the sixers what does this do to his mvp shot in, in your eyes casey oh he's there's no way he can win mvp now his mvp hopes are out the window um, especially with, uh, and I hate to say it, Matt, but I, I'm going to keep, I, I'll keep admitting when I'm wrong. It looks like James Harden right now is the front runner um, in terms of just completely changing his game again. And, uh, you know, for, when he was in OKC as the sixth man of the year, he was a guy that kind of did everything. He was, he was better defensively in OKC. Um, he was very efficient and he knew how to pass the ball. Well, he knew his role very well. When he, when he went to Houston, he decided that he wanted to be the scorer. Now that he's moved over to Brooklyn, he decided he wanted to be a double digit assist per game guy um, leading the, the league in assist even. So I, I think, I think this definitely throws Embiid's MVP hopes out the window um, I think by the time he's back, Philly might drop as far down as the third or fourth seed, which is huge for them, uh, considering how well they were doing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, if, if it were me, I, I, I would be looking to make a move maybe um, to, to move someone um, in order to help this team out. I, I'm not exactly sure who that guy would be, um, but you, you've got to get some help um, to at least hold while Embiid is out because like, I know I made the joke that it, it'll probably end up being four weeks, but what if it does? What if it turns from two weeks to four weeks or even worse, six weeks? What if he's out for two months? You know, you never know, especially with his injury history. Um, and the knee is nothing to play with, with a big man. I mean, it's nothing to play with, with, with any athlete, but with a big man, especially, I mean, look, Yao Ming got his career cut short, probably six, seven years from ankle injuries. Um, these big, they're, they're big guys, uh, seven footers, and uh, they, they need their legs to play. And if, if, you're, if your knees and your feet and your legs are just uh, too weak to hold up, you're going to have a hard time shaking back and recovering. And I have, I have a bad feeling that's what's going to happen here. Uh, I don't think there's any way Joel Embiid wins MVP now. And uh, it looks like, as much as I hate to say it, it looks like Brooklyn is going to be the front runner in the East by the time he even – attempts to make a comeback chad is casey right is this kind of take Embiid, and in the sense the sixers you know is this like their weakness have we seen you know the, the them falling apart now is this like the first major sign that that they're not going to make it through the whole season that that you need to start riding on the the nets bandwagon if you weren't already nobody wanted to listen to me when i told you a year ago you hold on to simmons and you move Embiid. nobody wanted to listen to it Mr. Fragile Body, Mr. Can't Make It Through a Season, Mr. Always Hurt, Mr. Doesn't Work on His Physique in the Offseason, Mr. Focus on His Instagram. All of those things just are red flags to me. It's like, look, bro, go work on making your skill set better. And I think he did do that in the offseason. And he got hurt. It's unlucky. And it's luck is part of injury. And bad is 100% of it. But it doesn't it, – it doesn't always continue happening to the same guy. You know, there's there at some point you become liable. You're, you're a liability. You're, I can't keep you in the lineup. So I would have traded him. I would have traded him as soon as he hit his height on Twitter and all of that, because not only that, while he can shoot from three, he's, he's not where the game is going. The game is getting smaller. It's shrinking. It's not, and it's good to have an advantage in the post. 
But more and more, if you can't stay on the floor and create that advantage on a night-to-night basis, you, what is your real value? So uh, to me, Embiid is nothing more than exactly what I expected him to be this season, a guy who was going to disappoint. You knew he was going to get hurt. You knew he was going to spend half the time on the DL. You knew he was going to have some body issue. And at that size, you're asking seven foot one, seven foot two men that have, you know, 315 pounds on their frame to have to close out and guard guys. Just the wear and tear on their body is different. You know, you can bang inside if you're Ewing and Elijah bang inside all night. But if you have to run and close out and change directions and that's where the wear and tear comes on your body and that's the modern game and it's shrinking the game and Embiid is one of those dinosaurs who unfortunately if you can have him out there every night you just you do have a huge advantage but you just your your team changes so much when you don't have him that you you can't win that way you have to have a more easily transitioned group and unit that you don't have to change your overall style of play if one guy gets hurt. That's that's the key in the NBA. It's, that's why the 3 and D is, has happened. That's why you see the game moving out to the perimeter and the changing of all the screens out top. All of that stuff is designed, not intentionally, but it is making the game smaller, and Embiid's place in that is going away. So his opportunity at an MVP was this year and this year only. At this point, he's just damaged goods and will deteriorate. They should have divorced themselves from him way earlier, but now that they're holding on to him, you know, you're, you're losing a, a year of Seth Curry being the greatest, most efficient, not his brother Steph, Seth, the most efficient three-point shooter ever with Ben Simmons, who now doesn't have to shoot jump shots. You have all the things in place for that team to be great, but you just lost your, your, your focal point. Now your team's screwed. Now you're done. If he goes four weeks out, this team drops. They have to play their way in, and, and with a 70% Embiid, the Sixers season is over. So, Chad, my question, if you had to tell me, 28 and 13, so they've played 41 games. If you had to tell me, how many games do you think, uh, uh, like, discrepancy that Embiid and Simmons have played this season? So if you had to guess the difference in amount of games, what, what do you think the difference you like you, you mean the number of times they played at the same time? No, no, the amount of games that each of them respectively have played this season. I would say Embiid's probably played more, actually. Embiid has, has only played three less. Yeah, no, Embiid has been, has been stable this year. This is like – as I meant, meant to say, you know, he is having an MVP season, yes. And it's because he can stay on the court, but he hasn't always done that. He doesn't usually do that. Here we are again, back with the four-week off-the-court absence at exactly the wrong time to start the second half of the season when you're trying to push him to make the playoffs and make yourself, especially now that the Nets have figured out at least who they want to be, you know, you, you've got you got, you got to have your best guys out there, and Embiid's not out there now. So now your team is markedly less, especially because he's the middle part of everything that you do. If you, if you had moved off of him and, and made it more of a flowing functional unit, while, while Steph is still and always will be this focal point in Golden State, he's deferred his part of the pie to others and given his part away when needed. 
you know, that's, that's what you, that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to defray that. And I, I, I'm afraid at this point, that's, that's not what they're going to be able to do because of the scheme of how they play. They, they don't, they don't have that perimeter flow. They have, uh, we're going to get it into the high post, low post. We're going to screen and roll. We're going to do some traditional old school stuff because that's the old school NBA that Embiid is part of. How that how that bodes well for their future without him? How do they restructure without him, Casey? Who, right, wh- but, who do they? What do they do? do? They go to Dwight Howard. I can I can understand Dwight what you're saying. Now, Dwight Howard's now the going to be that guy for them. No, really? I mean maybe like not. But reality. No, I understand what you're saying about maybe Joel's play style not being the future of the league, but Ben Simmons is. Like the the fact that Ben's your point guard, the guy who's on the floor that's supposed to shoot three pointers can't shoot three pointers. Maybe maybe Dwight Howard could be the answer as the backup role for Joel Embiid if you had a point guard who could shoot threes. If you had a point guard who didn't have to drive to the basket and rely on passing out to perimeter players who are less effective than your two best players. The, the point guard got, got Steph Curry. They don't want Ben Simmons shooting threes. It, it's like but, why but did that, Kareem, but that goes why against Kareem your argument never break that, the press. But why that goes Kareem against your argument that Joel Embiid's play style is going in the opposite direction. What is Ben Simmons doing then? Everything, everything else, except the going best. in the direction of the play style that the NBA is currently moving, which well, is three have, and D. He's it. got D, but no three. Yo, okay, fine. He doesn't have to have the three. He just can't be a liability at the other end of the floor. All, all you're getting from Embiid. Does he bring the ball up ever? Does he get ten, ten dimes a night? Is he in any way is able to guard the point guard? There's there's a bulk of the time that when Philly plays, the six ten dude out front guards the point guard. And Bede's not much difference in height to Ben. Can he guard the point guard? Can he guard the two and the three and the four and the five? Can he be the defensive player of the year at the same time, get 10, 10 dimes a night, creating shots for others? giving a guy like Seth Curry, who is the, look, you don't have to, they don't all have to play the same position. You have to know your roles. And as long as you understand who each guy is, like that's not what Ben's going to ever be. But if we value his contribution to the team, then we build around that. And you can't build around and be structure anymore. That part of the game is over. It's just not happening anymore. Well, I think guys part of it, part of it's that that they've been trying to build around both those guys, and you can't build around Embiid and build around Simmons at the same time. They're too divergent. You know, you've exactly. got to you've got to focus on one or the other. And they've been trying to build around both of them for so long, and it's been impossible. And everybody, and to Casey's point, yes, Ben Simmons can't shoot, and I've been as critical of him as anybody ever like work on your game get better at your weaknesses why aren't you doing those things same thing i've accused him beat of that's why you know you have two similar personalities who don't do the necessary things to make their skill set better that that bothers me that's why i've always been leery of them and and the brittle injury history with Embiid. But if you're going to build around one guy, at least build around the guy who gives you the most opportunities. The, the guy who doesn't have to do just but one thing. Catch it down low and or catch it from three points. He's not going to go create a shot for you unless it's in the block. So that's the only place you're getting points for him from him. On the block or a wide open ball reversal, catch and shoot three. That's it. Those are where your points come from. Other than that, he's a rebounder and a shot blocker. 
And he's been a good shot blocker, but he now, as he's getting older and getting more injured, he doesn't jump like he used to. He doesn't come off weak side and make plays like he used to. It's a different guy. So you keep Ben Simmons, who can guard five positions, pass the ball, score, get you 12 to 15 a night while it's all mid-range and close to the rim. He's still going to contribute and get you 10. I mean, he's a walking triple-double. He's got to be the – in the league, he and oh, Harden. Oh no 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 no! If, if, no, if if you're building your franchise around a walking triple double, then why do you criticize Russell Westbrook for the triple doubles that were so meaningless? I, I, I because rebounds for a point guard are not. As That's important. what Ben Simmons is. He's a point guard. You praise his, guards, you praise but, he, his, but you but praise he, his rebounding, and then you say that yes, Joel Embiid is just a rebounder and a blocker. The point guard. How many points is Joel Embiid averaging this season? Look, he doesn't just guard the point guard. So that means he has to go down and get tough rebounds. That oh, I get it. So if he's switching. a tall point guard, triple doubles mean more than if he's just Russell no, Westbrook. No, absolutely not. I'm just saying he's getting different rebounds. Rebounds for a point guard, so those long rebounds that bounce out, I, you can almost throw this out. Those don't ever really lead to transition points because you're the guy who's the furthest away from the ball at the point of rebound anyway so nobody's ahead of you unless you're going to go attack somebody it doesn't happen so they get three or four of those a night especially with the three-point shot so it's an overinflated statistic i'm talking about tough rebounds in traffic who would get more of those now i'm not saying westbrook didn't because he did and i i i have openly argued that the the triple double is based on the circumstance of the game if it's if it's there, there. You and I have watched enough. So has Matt. Everybody has. You've watched enough to watch basketball games where you go, "Damn, that was a badass triple double," or that you know that was just an easy little triple double. Jason Kidd used to get a bunch of them. It happens all the time. I'm Ben Simmons contributes to the game in ways like Russell, but in different ways because at six ten. If he has to guard the post guy and not give away a whole lot, he still gets that. And, and Russell could never do that. That's the only difference. I'm, the value so, in the triple-double for me is, is – I, I won't argue. I'm just saying he just, to give a point of reference, gives your team so much value as a traditional metric. That is a way of looking at it. I mean, the guy gets you across the board – contribution every night and is potentially the defensive player of the year at this point. That's, so, that's, so wait, that's wait, pretty, wait, wait, wait. has Russell Westbrook ever been in contention for the defensive player of the no, year? Once? No, but this, now I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting mixed up on how you're saying that in three. So Joel Embiid has played three less games than Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. but he's almost doubling Ben Simmons points per game has sure. almost four rebounds more per game. And sure. only has, he has less than four assists per game at the center position. And he has almost. I'm not begrudging him. I, I I told you earlier before the injury, he's the MVP. Right? No, no, no. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But last last season, Joel Embiid played almost as many games as Ben Simmons. So I'm just saying the injury history is there for both. Let's not forget that Ben Simmons had to win Rookie of the Year a year later because he sat out that full season. I I'm. I, I'm just I saying that I, I don't think – I'm just saying – doesn't matter so much to me, I, but I hear the other things that you're saying. Yes, 100%. I, I, I think it could have been a great, great, great pairing if they could have both stayed on the floor. I, I don't think that the process wouldn't have worked if they could have kept themselves healthy. 
it just is not worked out. And if pushed to the flame, me as a general manager owner, if somebody came to me and said, Chad, you got to make a decision right now. We're going this way or this way because we can't afford and the, the, the whole of the how we win will depend on since one of these guys is always going to get hurt, we're going to have to get a bunch of guys to make sure that we can always have good enough talent to at least be in games throughout the season. One of them's got to go. One of them. Who is it? Chad Pitt. The real, pro- the real problem here is that at this point, the Sixers can't let them both go. And I think that's the real thing. Like, really, if you could, you'd start over if you're Philadelphia. But you've been trusting the process for how well, many they seasons? Could. They could. Why how many seasons? They? How many seasons have we been riding? 41. It ben seems Sim- like 41. <laughs> it feels seasons. like forever. Five it feels, seasons. It feels it's a it while. It feels a long time. It feels like, like when, the process has been going on for a very long time. Exactly. It feels like, you know, longer than this pandemic, that's for sure. So it just. You know what? Hey, I have a solution. I have a solution. We're going to go on my Twitch channel and we're going to do a rebuild of the 76ers. We're going to do two different rebuilds. We're going to trade away Joel Embiid and we're going to trade away Ben Simmons. I love and we're it. Going to, and we're going to see which one does better. And, and, and I know it's not indicative of real life. I, no, let's do it. Let's we'll, do it. And we'll see what I'm happens. In. All, All right. right, there we go. We got, we got a VBE 20 Twitch Twitch challenge coming up. There, there. we go. So, All so right. pay, I love it. I love pay it. attention for that. All right, so we'll see Cross if Chad. pollination is beautiful. Yes, Chad, sir. Yes, sir. Chad's worked in the, the, the Warriors in the first two questions. We'll see if he can obviously work into this one. This one should be a lot easier yeah, for him. Of course I can. This, this one should be even easier, Casey. Last night, LeBron was LeBron again. 37 points as the, as the Lakers beat the Hornets. Look, man, are we just – Shouldn't we just be honest here, Casey? LeBron's the MVP, right? I mean, I, I say it's I say it's hard, but really it's LeBron, right? I mean, LeBron actually should have nine MVPs at the moment, if we're being 100% all right, honest. All right, all right, I heard Kyle Kuzma, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I mean, but that's been something that we've, that we as basketball fans, maybe not we necessarily, us three, I have definitely sung the praises of LeBron. I've supported you on that, as you Thank know. you, Chad. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Because I'm, I'm just looking at a guy who's taken – multiple teams to um, multiple finals. What was it? Nine years in a row. And not only has he missed out on MVPs, he definitely missed out on a defensive player of the year award that he's wanted so bad when he lost out to Mark Gasol. Um, if I'm looking at it, yes. I mean, Michael, uh, not Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron, I mean, Michael Jordan too, you know, if he's the best, I think whoever is the best player in the world should win the most MVPs should be the MVP. And I don't think that bolt stats necessarily are indicative of what you do for your team. LeBron, LeBron and the Lakers have won four in a row, and they are still without Anthony Davis. I'm, I'm just looking at it this way. LeBron James is the best player in the world. I think we all agree on that. There are some players who do things better than him, but overall, LeBron James is the best player in the world. He has been that guy. Last year, some people, including me, tried to say that maybe Kawhi was up on his heels, you know, two finals MVPs from two different teams, maybe the best defensive player in the league. And then they choke in the, in the playoffs. And now we're all kind of like, all right, Kawhi, you have to show us a little bit more before we put you back on that pedestal again, before we, before we let you take another swing at the King, because Matt, you said it a million times. If you come at the King, you best not miss. And he didn't even get to the King. He, he tripped before he even got to the, st- to the gate. He tripped and they lost and they were out. And now I'm looking at LeBron who goes and wins. He, he says is the most challenging championship, the, the most difficult championship that he won his entire career in the bubble. I don't know about that, but not having LA and Staples Center behind you, 
that is tough. And going in and beating these guys, that is tough. And then he goes and he beats, you know, a few years ago, he beats the, the Warriors, the best team ever in basketball history. He beats them with a team that did not belong, did not belong in those finals. And he won. I, I look at LeBron and I, I see nine, 10 straight finals, whatever it was. And I'm just surprised that this guy's not at double digit MVPs already. So yes, I think LeBron is the MVP of the league and has been for quite some time. I, I give a lot, I give LeBron a lot of grief when we get in the LeBron MJ argument, but, but I, uh, I fell down a rabbit hole this week of the real plus minus numbers, you know, cause I'm a big plus minus fan. I feel like that's indicative of, uh, of, of what kind of basketball player you are more than a lot of things. If your plus minus is like, if you've got 30 points, but you're minus 10, you know, what'd you really do in a sense? So I went looking at the real plus minus numbers and they only have it back to um, on ESPN. They only have it back to 96. So uh, I couldn't go and look at all Jordan's, you know, years and whatnot. But if you go look at their, um, wins with real plus minus and just real plus minus numbers. LeBron James is like in the is number one or number two like nearly every year, and he's in the top five nearly every year. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting as you'll watch as like players rotate. You know, in the early years, it's it's Tim Duncan, you know, with him. You know, it's it's you know it's it's some of these other guys, you know, and then later, you know, obviously it's it's Steph, you know, and whatnot. Um, but but it's just interesting to see this this wave kind of just of all these players come up and go down like Kobe was there for a little bit and you know obviously Kobe you know retired and whatnot but even Kobe was only like in you know the top 10 at this point you know and you know Dwayne Wade you know you see his numbers go up especially you know when uh LeBron goes and joins him in Miami but then they go you know it's just really an interesting uh rabbit hole I fell down so I've got even more respect for LeBron James in a lot of ways. You changed I, your mind. Well, I don't know if I've changed it so far as saying he's better than Jordan. I've always had respect for LeBron, but I have like some newfound respect because it's really, it's incredible to see because every year, except for his first year, except for his rookie season where the Cavs were just pitiful and there was no way he was going to get any wins, you know, with the real plus minus, no matter how well he played when your team is pitiful. But but ever since that rookie year, the man is is up top, at least usually in the top five, you know, every year, if not number one or number two. And that's just that's just incredible to look at. And um, and yet again, this year he's uh he's number one. And this is how Chad, you can get right in it. Chad, guess who's number two right now? Steph. Steph. Yeah, Steph's number two. So of it's, course it's he is. It, it's just really impressive though, like I said, that LeBron yet again, number one right now. Um, and so it's, it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, how do you not give to LeBron as much as I like what Harden's doing as much as Harden's reinvented his game. I, I, I could be convinced easily on picking LeBron for MVP. Hey Matt, if I want if I can throw something out there real quick, I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you that LeBron's better than Jordan. I, I don't, I, I don't think that's really a fair argument to have. I think generationally, like generationally, it's hard to compare multiple talents against each other, but, um, LeBron James is going to finish like, uh, he's going to, he's probably going to be number, he might be number one in points. He's going to be top five um, in minutes played, like total minutes played. He's going to be, he's going to make a run at number one for assists. I think he's at least going to be top five in assists because right now it didn't switch over. Um, but he's, he's definitely going to be top five in assists. He's third in points. Um, minutes played, he's up there. Rebounds, he's a little further down. He's 42nd right now, but you can argue he's probably going to be a top 30 rebounder of all time. And to consistently do that while being in championship games and in finals appearances on the biggest stage that you can be in the basketball world, 
Um, I, I get it. It's not six and six in the finals. Trust me. I understand. I've heard it from a million people and that's the argument that's always going to happen, but I'm looking at it as, as a guy who's much younger, who didn't grow up in the Jordan era. I was, a, I was a little late um, obviously, but I, I would much rather have a guy who brings me there 10, 11, 12 times. And if we win four or five or six, cool. Awesome. Great. I love that. Then being there six times. And um, then, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I do. I do understand what you're saying, Matt. Um, his, and again, you can't go back further than 96 because of statistical uh, categories and whatnot, but um, it, it's hard to look at, you know, Jordan and LeBron's comparison when you really look at it now, especially after that fourth ring. And you're like, how are, how are more people not like more open to the idea that they could at least be equals? I mean, LeBron's got the longevity for sure. And that's one thing, like, even though you can't compare eras, I really, you know, you you can't compare sports science either. And I wonder, because I bet you Jordan would have been one of those guys who probably would have gotten five or six more seasons, but he also played, you know, we can attest to this, Chad and I both, in an NBA that was brutal when you were constantly getting knocked on your butt. Yeah. You know, and um, not not taking away from today's NBA at all. You know, it's just different eras and whatnot. But 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 LeBron's longevity is extremely impressive, the way he gets himself back. And I kind of wish that for Jordan and that he had just that ability. Even if he played in that era where still taking the elbows and whatnot and, and whatnot, I wish he had the, the cryogenic chambers and whatnot. Because you know Jordan would have been all about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, LeBron spends $2 million a year on his body. Right. Uh, right. Russell Wilson spends $1.5 million a year on his body. The, the medical science has just come so far. And even if LeBron or um, Jordan would have been drafted in 1995, you know, instead of the mid-80s, um, he, he would have been a much different and much uh, healthier player, I think. He probably would have played until the year – 2015 you know he might have played for 20 seasons and I, I hear a lot of time people say like oh well what if he wouldn't wouldn't have taken those two seasons off maybe he could have won eight rings I don't think so I think he would have won less uh he was burnt out he was hurting um I think the team would have dismantled a lot earlier because they you know he, they would have had to pay him more um I think six and six is the perfect argument to leave it I think that if he would have stayed those two seasons in the middle they would have only ended up winning four or maybe five um, I don't think they would have made six. They might have made it to the finals those two years, but I don't think they would have won. Um, I think Hakeem and the Rockets were just so good. And it would have been – and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'll always romanticize eight. I'll, I'll always yeah. romanticize eight. So, Chad, look, bring it in. Bring look, it in, man. Look, bring it in. Look, all right, if you want to get – if you want to break it down like hardcore, what about – you guys haven't even said the name. Bill Russell. I mean – Really, if you if we're gonna make this about championships, Bill Russell, the conversation's over. And if no, you want right. to really, if you really want to deep dive on like one of the greatest athletes, activists, humans of an era, go go look at Bill Russell's. Look at look at who he was as an athlete. Look at, I mean, really, I'm not gonna even say it because I want you guys to do it. I mean, the guy was a freak show, and is my starting power forward on my team of 12 in the history of sports. He's, he's my number four. If he's, he's your not, power forward, who's your center? Hakeem. Okay. Come on, man. Hey, all right. So my point, my point is only this. Okay. Let's not, let's not put all of this on championships. All right. That's, that's bullshit. That's, that's bullshit. I mean, 
Red Auerbach, that Celtics team, how many fewer teams there were at the time, how well they dominated, how well they constructed their roster, the organization, and what they did. And how, you know, look, that was, that was ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. It's like Bill Walton. Uh, pardon me. Bill Walton's great coach, John Wooden. It's like Wooden. I mean, some guys are so far out ahead of their time that it creates an opportunity for guys like Bill Russell to be on 11 championships and a player coach of a championship team. You know, nobody's done that before or after. He's the only one. So all of those things. Look up Look up who, who Russell was as a friggin' – his athletic skills. Watch him bring the ball up. He, he brought the ball up on breaks. He, he was the fastest guy on the court. So you get trapped in eras. You get trapped in titles. You get trapped in all these ideas. That, and, and here's – I'm going to go all the way back real quick to a point that was made earlier. The, the crap that media sells you, why Tailgate Kings is so damn good is because we're not selling you bullshit. We're not ripping headlines. We're not throwing you the same crap over the over and over. That's garbage. Nobody gains from that. We're giving you some real breakdown. Like, here's a way to think at it differently. This is something different. So get past the, the championship rings. Get past all that other stuff. LeBron, how he impacts the game, your rabbit hole, that's, that's worthwhile, Matt. That's what shows you who has actually contributed. Look, if it's not from a very pinpoint Draymond Green nut punch, you know, uh, he doesn't win that, okay? But, you know, Silver did what he did, and that's what it is. And I'm not going to be a homer too hard. But, look, the, the contribution the guy makes on the floor, I, I've said it 100 times, and I'm going to say it again. He's Magic and Jordan all in one. He understands he wasn't a great shooter coming in. Magic wasn't either. They, he grew into that. He was a raw athlete like Jordan. And his teams didn't win necessarily in the beginning like Jordan's. Now you look at this guy rounding into form as a leader of men. And for Christ's sake, he just bought part of the friggin' Red Sox. Who, as a black man, gets to own part of the Red Sox? Are you kidding me? He's got Liverpool and the Red Sox as a black man? Jesus Christ. We talk about Breeze. We talk about Breeze in his – Yeah, he will. But we talk about Breeze and his contributions off the floor and all the things that, off the field, all, everything he did to make the city greater. I mean, look at Braun's schools. Look at everything else he's done. This guy's the MVP for the last nine years just because of his contributions to humanity. Jesus, give the guy a break. <laughs> Casey, I gave him every opportunity this time to mention Curry, and he didn't. All right, there we go. All right, so that's, uh, that's pretty much all we got for today. Any, any, any quick final segments from Jackson the Kid? Any quick, uh, quick final takes as we get out of here? Uh, not that I can think of. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing an episode this weekend if we're able to do that. Um, maybe on Sunday, fingers crossed. Yes. Um, check out my Twitch, twitch.tv slash VBE20. That is 20, of course. Um, I'll be live again tonight. Hopefully, if my internet decides that it wants to work, that would be super great. Um, we have a big Rocket League tournament coming up on April 3rd. 
And um, that's about, hey, I have merch now. So if you want merch, go check that out too. In merch and then this trade we're going to do, right? This virtual Embiid Simmons trade. Yes, right? yes. We'll probably do that next week. All right. All right. Got to happen. I want to, I'm very interested to see the results of this. All right, guys. Like I said, we got things coming up next week. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of the Tailgate Kings. Be sure to check out the website, www.thetailgatekings.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. VBE20 for your Twitch outlet for your need. Casey Jones doing all sorts of cool things there. And, of course, Jackson the Kid, our other podcast we're kicking all the time. All right, y'all. We'll be back next week. Check us out.